Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. So, um, unfortunately the pandemic has taken a huge toll on people's mental health and we're seeing a huge mental health crisis that workplaces are just beginning to grapple with. So in light of that, we thought that we could kind of sit together and discuss this idea of mental health leave, what it means and debate whether mental health leave should be essential. So to start off with, let's just ask everybody, do you think companies should mandate mental health leave? Yes or no? Where do you stand? This is Shishti, your host, by the way. Hi, this is Rohita. And um, I think that mental health leave should be mandatory, but in addition to a lot of other structural changes with workplaces in general. Hey, it's Carla. Um, I'm with you, Rohita. We need a lot of changes to the way workplaces function, but no, I don't think that making mental health leave policies mandatory for all companies is A, going to solve the problem. B, I don't think it's dramatically different from what we have right now. To be explained. (laughs) To start off with, let's ask, like, where did this idea of mental health leave actually come from, right? And why is there a demand to give separate leave for mental health and not just, you know, have it be a part of like the regular whatever, 20 days, 25 days off you get in a year? So um, these conversations became more pronounced um, in the context of the pandemic, of course, and post-pandemic. And there are a number of surveys that show the extent to which employees are suffering from mental health crises and how it affects their work. For instance, there was one survey that showed that um, nearly 43% of Indian employees in the private sector suffer from mental health issues at work. And the reason why it started as a conversation to have a separate mental health leave policy is the fact that mental health, mental illness by its very definition is very different from like sickness, like a cold or any other illness that like a physical illness because of how it can be chronic and severe and ongoing for a long period of time. Like the treatment window also is is very very long for mental illnesses so the response is by default very different and so a mental health leave policy would specifically recognize the issues with mental illnesses and cater to that accordingly i don't think that even our existing sick leave policies are not really able to capture the full sort of breadth of reasons why people face pressures like physical, mental, emotional stressors outside of the workplace. Like we don't have leave policies generally that really speak to the difficulties that people face in their outside of work lives. I'm not entirely comfortable with the idea of a mental health uh, leave policy for for, for at least one sole fact that in a society that heavily, heavily, heavily stigmatizes mental health disorders, Forcing people to avail of a leave where they have to disclose a mental health condition to their boss and potentially to their entire team and have the entire HR have a record and a file of their mental health condition to be able to avail of this leave, I find it a gross violation of privacy. And as long as our society treats having a cold or, you know, having a flu or having a stomach bug very, very differently than suffering from a chronic mental health condition... I think this violation of privacy has no place in a workplace and could be very detrimental to people. So the idea behind mental health leave is to 
precisely destigmatize mental illnesses and mental health in general because a lot of people are now are not able to disclose mental health issues when they need to under the ambit of sick leave and there's a lot of articles where people have uh, spoken about their experiences where they've just completely had to quit their job because they're not able to um avail of the leave that's provided and ha- the constant like suppression of these things adds to the men- severity of the mental illness i guess my position on this is that it's up to the employer and individual managers on a team to normalize this idea of using your sick leave for mental health right and i think that that could be a more successful way of protecting people's privacy protecting a bit of anonymity on the team and giving people the opportunity to avail of the sick leave that they're due by virtue of being an employee for whatever the condition is and i actually disagree i think there are provisions for chronic health conditions on many teams and people are used to you know working through chronic health conditions of a physical nature but there's no reason why one couldn't have a conversation about a leave of absence or switching to a part-time for some for the time being or you know things like that within the context of a sick leave but at least within the context of a sick leave it's not sending a signal to the entire company that you're struggling with a mental health condition which again may or may not impact unless and until we resolve societal stigma overall may or may not impact the way that people within the company regard you which i don't think is helpful but then again with that carla um an official mental health leave policy that's mandated will actually be safer for employees in the sense that it leaves less room for the boss's discretion in terms of uh, accommodating mental illness as sick leave so a lot of it when when we try to avail of mental health leave under the ambit of sick leave it depends on whether your boss is a considerate person or not and whether they recognize a lot of mental illnesses and how mental illness works how it affects you how it looks different from what you might expect um and in india that's severely lacking not just in india in many almost all over the world that's severely lacking right now so an officially mandated policy would leave it would not leave it to the boss's discretion essentially the issue that i have is that by the same token uh as you rightly pointed out various mental health conditions and various types of mental health leave are highly subjective and dependent on the person struggling with them right or suffering from them and so each of those sort of requests is going to look a little bit different you know in a tiny company with 10 people you can form a very sort of individualistic approach to these types of leaves and you can bend and be flexible to the needs of any one individual and how their mental health you know what their mental health needs in that moment are but the reality is is that in a company with 10,000 people at some point you have to write some rules and you have to have some policies and you have to do things that are broadly applicable to everybody it's way 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 harder to tease out these very individual things so when you when an employee in a context like that is anyways asking something outside of the ambit of what is written okay everybody will have you know 20 sick days a year that they can avail anytime you're asking for anything outside of what's in those five bullet points you're already going to have to have a conversation with hr to explain why your context and your situation is different so that's going to happen anyway right i don't know how we write rules down in an employee handbook 
that are going to apply to 10,000 people's mental health because 10,000 people are each going to have 10,000 different mental health situations. Yeah, I think that makes sense and that that is a dilemma. So if you look at some of the biggest companies in the world and like what they've done with supposedly providing like mental health support structures. So Meta, <laughs> lol, uh, formerly Facebook, now Meta. Can't believe we're using it in like Facebook in a positive context. It's unheard of. But Meta provides their employees and their families with therapist support, plus an accommodations team. Amazon, again, all the evil companies are great at supporting mental health. Don't worry, we're about to critique them. Okay, great. <laughs> Amazon announced mental health support coverage for employees, and again, in the form of access to therapy. Um, and among companies with supposedly the best mental health support policies, you have companies like Uber and Chipotle. And again, the main thing that they get into is a company therapist um, and the issue is that even some of the best companies don't actually offer paid time off for mental health outside of you know the regular leave that's mandated so I mean what do we think about this kind of policy towards mental health and does does that actually help and does it actually open up and make employees more comfortable and yeah so this these particular examples are interesting because these are arguably the worst companies in the sense of like the biggest and doing most harm to our society etc etc but they have the best supposedly mental health policies because there's also this cultural like normalization of mental health discourse to the extent that uh, it's being able to be appropriated by corporates to kind of like perform uh, wokeness or We've spoken about this in a lot of episodes in the past. Yeah. But it's just ultimately what would help and what a lot of online discourse has uh, debated extensively is leave and better employee benefits, uh, better every like workplace structures. But that's, that's exactly the thing that they don't offer. What they do offer is therapists for you and your family and your children, etc., etc., which... I think, like, yeah, it goes to show how all of this is kind of an empty um, gesture of mental health support, which doesn't actually have any meaningful, yeah, impact. Yeah, definitely. And I think the question is also, what do you need from a company in terms of mental health, right? And because they're not the people who are going to see you through any kind of condition, so be it physical health, mental health, a company is not the place which is going to see you through that. But it is also a place which is like affected by your like your well-being equals to them have being more productive. So what is it that the company should actually do to ensure that the you know employees' mental health is taken care of? And, and purely from like a just productivity and from their own profit perspective, also it makes sense to look into this. Absolutely, and I think this gets to the heart of my issues with this sort of idea that, you know, mental health leave policies should be mandatory in every single company because they're not getting to the heart of the matter, right? Something yeah. as simple as really extensive, easy to use um, health insurance, right? That covers all sorts of mental health providers. Like that is virtually unheard of, right? Because I don't know, I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, every time you try to file, like any insurance company has a bunch of these sort of exemptions for this kind of stuff. And people have a very, very hard time getting therapy covered properly, like fully covered. 
So just a policy where it's like you can go to any mental health professional you need to go to and it's covered 100%, that would be revolutionary. Now, the things that you've described where people have like a therapist sitting in the meta office, I mean, it's good PR, but I don't know anybody. I mean, who is actually availing of that? In the Uber example, I find it extra irritating because we know that Uber drivers themselves feel constantly disenfranchised. They're not treated as employees. I mean, this has been a big labor dispute, you know, with these uh, gig economy sort of startups like across the board. But the point is that who gets to avail of these mental health leave policies in a company like that, right? And the biggest, the most public sort of mental health issues that we hear about in that company are actually not coming from the people who get the fancy therapist down the hall. They're coming from people who are not getting any mental health support. Yeah, and um, it there's also another uh, piece to this which shows how empty these gestures are, which is that you know a lot of these companies, even though they have like mental health support programs, etc., there was a study that was conducted in India that showed that although that they do have these programs, the impact assessment part of it was severely lacking. Mm-hmm. So no one really knew if these if these interventions that companies are saying will work for you are actually working. And and these are uh, companies based in India, but um, yeah, it just goes to show that it's a very tokenistic gesture. It, it's not actually meaningful beyond. I also think we have to talk about the fact that there there is a difference between clinical mental health conditions that require, like you describe, long-term chronic, whether it's, you know, whether there's there's going to be chronic care and just sort of a, a, a long-term approach to managing and balancing, uh, you know, a career and work versus this condition. And then there's also the very, very common and pervasive problem of people's just stress levels, right? And stress coming from all facets of life. And how do you manage those? And sometimes you just need to tap out from the workplace for a day or two to be able to collect yourself and handle some of those. And I'm actually a huge fan of a policy that that is now considered very old school and outdated. But when I when I first started, when I first entered the workplace, there was something called personal days. Okay. And so when you joined a company, you got a bank of sick days and you got a bank of personal days. And the idea behind personal days was you can just take this day off because you feel like sitting on your couch and doing nothing. Or you have to do some other thing or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And and no questions asked. And the policy is no, you don't have to make an excuse. You don't have to explain yourself. You just say, I'm taking a personal day tomorrow. End of story. I love this concept because it allows you to say, like, I've hit a wall. I'm stressed out. I need to collect myself. And I don't have to explain to anybody why I'm not going to be here tomorrow. So I'm a huge fan of policies like that. We need more of those days, right? But there's something about the autonomy of that decision-making that I think is really lacking from workplaces today and is causing people a lot of stress. This idea that you are not in control of your own time. You don't get to decide your own fate, you know, in a work week. You don't get to say, and you have to always, you know, be stressed out about explaining yourself to people. I love the autonomy of a personal day, which is just, I'm not coming because I'm not coming. Yeah, I think personal days off sound, sound great. I do think, though, that, like, just to think on the flip side of why mental health leave policy should be there perhaps because if you club it into like other leaves or even personal leave I mean I think but something separate from you know the other leaves you get so that so that the employees who are dealing with let's say chronic mental health conditions which now we know are like quite a huge proportion of the population because of the pandemic 
so that they know that this is a separate thing that they have you know and it doesn't fall within like those same leaves from which they have to take holidays for leisure or like take time off or whatever but it's acknowledging that this is a different issue mm. i don't know i just wonder right like it's the same case that people make for like period leave which is that acknowledging that maybe two days uh, in a month or whatever are difficult for a lot of people who menstruate so for them to kind of i'm just wondering like the visibility of something like this versus not if we're not talking about the personal days approach or the you know tap out for a day or two to collect yourself and or deal with other stressors in your life or you know rest for a few days but we're talking about chronic mental health conditions that are really going to impact somebody's ability to show up with consistency in the workplace i want to just ask the very candid question of like how do we expect administratively functionally practically how do we expect people to avail of that type of flexibility without it impacting their career tracks in the office right i mean we know a very classic and you know sort of universal example of women who tap out for a chronic condition called pregnancy and early motherhood right where where they have you know their attention sort of split or divided or taken away for months at a time and we know what impact that has on their careers when they come back to the office and the way they're sidelined and the way they've missed out on things and the way it's very very hard to reintegrate them into the same positions they were in before and how companies struggle because in a way people have moved on when somebody just hasn't been there for 3 or 4 months right and so in a way what we're saying is people with chronic mental health conditions who may need to take leaves of absence of this kind are going to be facing similar struggles right how do we get around that and organizationally how do you fight that i mean that's a bit of an issue right that like the company in a way has to move on work has to move on so it moves on with the people who are there i think this to me highlights the difference between looking at this as a policy versus a labor or a human rights issue mm-hmm. so i mean when i was like looking up uh, like when i was doing research for this episode i came across this mckinsey report on companies policies on mental health leave and why it's useful for companies to provide it and there was this amazing sentence uh in that report which i will just read out um research shows that workplace stressors such as long hours economic insecurity work family conflict and high job demands coupled with low control low job control are as harmful to health as secondhand smoke together they cost the united states approximately 180 billion dollars and 120000 unnecessary deaths annually so there's two parts to this that was like wow to me one is the ins- the the very primary concern being how much it costs the united states when people are suffering in terms of money how much money we've lost because people are suffering the second is what are unnecessary deaths like what is that because does that presume that there are necessary deaths i mean this whole like okay <laughs> optimization of productivity and people's lives ultimately in service of a, a company and their profits and their bottom line mm-hmm. is the problem right like with the way companies are currently approaching mental health yeah. i'm actually more focused on the first sentence 
Okay, so to me, this is actually the crux of my argument, I think, right? So there's workplace stressors like, let's list them out, long hours, economic insecurity, work-family conflict, and high job demands, coupled with low job control, okay? So all of those things. These are all features that are, according to this report, significantly contributing to people's mental health issues. And these are all factors that are under the employer's control to a certain extent, almost entirely, right? And so these are the places we should be focusing, right? So I, when we think about what, what onus do we put on employers, to me, this band-aid of like, you must put out a paragraph in your handbook that says we have a mental health leave policy, therefore you have five days to take off. It's a band-aid at best, and it's like a, you know, a PR sham at worst. This is the heart of it, right? We need to examine what are these underlying factors that workplaces are, are sort of doing to perpetuate the mental health crisis. And these are the things we need to hold people accountable for. This is what we should be holding employers on the hook for. We should be saying like, how, how is it possible that the pressures you're creating in this workplace are so extreme that they're causing people to get divorced, right? And they're causing people to have like issues in their family lives. These are the places where we need to focus. To me, this, this company policy, you know, five second addendum where they change some sick leave days and they subtract them from sick leave and they put them under mental health leave is a bit of a joke. I agree with that. And that's how some countries have approached mental health leave as well. It's not in terms of leave, actually. It's not in terms of providing days off or mandating companies to provide days off. But uh, for example, Belgium uh, recently passed the law, like this right to disconnect idea in the legislation. And it, it's based on like conversations that were happening in the EU and how a Maltese uh, MEP, member of the European Parliament said in the context of the right to disconnect, that it is vital for our mental and physical health, and it is time to update workers' rights so that they correspond to the new realities of the digital age. And that, to me, is the crux of this, because this is a workers' right issue. And yeah. the policy itself, the right to disconnect, essentially uh, doesn't allow companies, uh, co colleagues or bosses to call somebody or contact them after work hours. So it sets a very specific time, and after that, you just are not obliged to your workplace anymore and that kind of addresses a lot of the issues that we spoke about just now about what exactly is causing mental health crises about the workplace so i remember reading this like super interesting study years ago where psychologists examined what would give people like true satisfaction and fulfillment in their work and they did this like cross country survey and they did it across like socioeconomic lines, across gender lines. Like they basically tried to capture, you know, if you're a CEO of a major corporation, if you're a plumber, if you're a teacher, if you're a, whoever you are, what is it, right? That if you had it would give you fulfillment or what does give you fulfillment? And they basically found one answer across countries, across ages, across professions. And it essentially boiled down to autonomy, right? And so, you could be doing the, the most, 
I don't know what other people would find to be perhaps menial labor or you could be, you know, whatever it is, jobs that we think of as good jobs, bad jobs, it doesn't matter. Even if you're doing the so-called bad jobs, right, that we think people don't want to do. If people had the ability to set their own hours or, right, or they worked for themselves or they somehow ran their own tiny little shop or whatever it was, the ability to say, I have control over my day and I can make decisions about where I might need to prioritize my family or prioritize myself or prioritize my health over this work. That control in and of itself was like the biggest factor that determined people's fulfillment. And I think what we're seeing right now is that increasingly in modern workplaces, people are not feeling like they have autonomy, right? And they don't have control over their work life and their careers and the direction that their day heads even, right? Let alone their year. And that is, I think, what's causing so much anxiety and stress. Agree. And that's certainly the most important thing, arguably. But wouldn't you think that having some control over the work structure itself also is a feature of autonomy because ultimately when that doesn't change it still excludes a lot of people with mental illnesses and a lot of neurodivergent people as well who don't typically fit into this nine to five structure where it's a very structured day mm -hmm. with like rules and all these organizational quirks um, so in that sense, do you feel like we need to change or have conversations about like a flexible work environment or structure itself? I don't know. I mean, yes, but everything is easy when you talk about it theoretically and when you talk about it in the context of like small organizations, right? But the moment you get to a situation where you're talking about, you know, dealing with how do you deal with one of these mega office parks that has 10,000 people in it, right? creating a structure in those where you know it's it's malleable to each individual's pressures and you know emotional and mental states is not easy like i don't have the answer but there's no there's no easy answer like somebody would have figured this out already if it was that simple right so i think like rewriting those rules to somehow apply to an employee base of tens of thousands of people is it becomes extraordinarily complicated and that's why i think people end up with these like reductive very band-aid solutions because otherwise i don't i don't know exactly how they do it yeah but i do feel that carla like as in people would have come up with the solution if they wanted to by now i think that's not the case like i feel like people haven't spent enough time researching it and like you know conducting yeah. experiments and seeing and i think a really good example of that is you know, on, on another side, the issue of women dropping out of the workforce, right, which is especially bad in India. And I think Arundhati Bhattacharya, I know, like, everybody brings it up a lot, the SBI, you know, the former chair, uh, not former, the former CEO of SBI. And she actually, because she herself was a woman and was really, and, and was specifically looking into issues of, like, why women drop out of the workforce. So she came up with this two-year leave policy for women to be able to take a veil of... Um, that leave any time in their in their career or to just like take like a chunk of leave and she found that that retained women in the workforce because and most often they would have to take leaves at times like when their children had board exams it was a woman who had to like drop off and take the leave or even caring for the elderly so the fact that maternity leave is the only benefit that we give because it's what we see but that doesn't actually change 
a lot of the issues that you know even with gender roles that we face so i mean now that we know that there's a huge cohort of people dealing with mental illnesses mm. isn't it better to kind of think about okay what is it that we can do that will actually help here that that can actually make things better structurally i think with what we're seeing now it's definitely work culture because one thing we haven't mentioned is this whole phenomenon of the great resignation that's happening yeah across the world and mental health is a huge and integral part of this whole thing and not only that shrinking employee benefits and a lot of workplace exploitation that's just run havoc for many years now but which became a crushing burden especially in the context of the pandemic and um yeah a lot of people themselves say that better mental health care a more, more focus like meaningful focus on mental health and flexible work hours both are integral to maybe preventing someone from being absolutely compelled to quit their job yeah. uh, because of this burden so i think it's they both go hand in hand like reevaluating a company's in- inherent structure and policies and um their focus on mental health like an explicit exclusive focus on mental health so it's interesting whether that you say that both the things are important but i think one thing which we haven't really discussed is that is mental health leave is it only a conversation for people who are living with mental illnesses or is it about ensuring that everybody's mental health is in a good place like no matter even if you don't have any illnesses right now you, is there a responsibility towards mental health and is there a responsibility towards mental health in a way that there isn't a responsibility towards physical he- physical health like i'm just trying to understand why is there a differentiation between those two things by the way i actually think workplaces are very responsible for people's physical lack of well-being as well like there's no doubt about it sitting in a chair for 10 hours straight and not moving and staring at a screen is is terrible for us and it's wreaking havoc on our bodies and this is like and and eating junk food all day long like as a result of like trying to manage your stress while you sit for 10 hours so i think companies have a responsibility for both actually obviously um but there is a difference frankly between like a you know let's say a chronic clinical condition and a you know a sort of anxiety and stress born of let's say situational things happening in the workplace yeah there is a difference and to me like again i don't think that a blanket i mean this is one of the issues that i have with this from the beginning is that i don't think a blanket mental health leave policy is adequately addressing the needs of actually either one of those two populations. So yeah. I think there's something better like we discussed already addressing some of these major issues from within that should be where the pressure is, right? And then a sort of openness and destigmatization of uh you know of of mental health conditions in the context of, you know, individual workplaces would overall be the right move. But this brings up the question also of like you know as in i understand about like generally it'll be better where responsible for mental physical well-being etc but then when it comes to me- like mental health leave etc also how do you determine what's genuine code and code or what's not right like do you need just wondering about that like how do you differentiate between a bad day and a mental health day or 
why is it that that terminology needs to enter our vocabulary you know what i mean and how do you know when somebody might be misusing mental health leaves or might you know take you have a policy and then it's taken left right and center or whatever like that's one of the biggest arguments against it right like that you can't know for sure like is it genuine is it not genuine is it a policy that will get taken advantage of that's also a counter question that that comes up a lot I think this actually boils down to what you were saying Carla about autonomy. Mm-hmm. So I don't like yeah it should never be an employer's place to ask for proof because with men- like mental health is a health issue that an individual inherently knows that they are experiencing without yeah. having to have a medical professional validated all the time. And it's not always feasible also because medical pro- access to medical professional itself is another huge issue yeah. which a lot of people don't have um so similar to how a lot of people have like a viral fever and they don't necessarily have to go to a doctor they know they have it yeah. and so and an employer trusts them to know that they have it and yeah. so similarly with this and but there are also people who say that like to your earlier point um about mental well-being as opposed to mental health leave there are some people who advocate for stress leave over mental health leave like there's a clinical psychologist dr candice shafer who says that um stress is something that we all experience and using the term stress leave might normalize the idea uh for everybody rather than uh mental health leave which may bring up the idea that you have a mental illness which many people may not even be aware that they have even if they have it so calling it a stress leave and making policies around that would maybe also be closer to what you were saying about like personal days or whatever yeah okay so that's i find that such an uncomfortable argument like why people don't trust other people to say like i just need this day and if you need this day for whatever you need it for you should take it which is again why i like this personal days kind of idea because you don't know anyone in explanation sometimes you just need the day because you need the day yeah end of story right and so i i really really like that um but i also think that just in general i feel that and this is not about mental health conditions or even like stress levels reaching a boiling point yeah. but i also think it's really important for young people to like build a little bit of resilience about like what is a difficult day that you can work through versus what is a difficult day where you need to tap out and there's some part of like growing up and by growing up i actually mean in your 20s like when you're first getting used to participating in work right and and figuring out what is your version of work life balance there are difficult days that feel extraordinarily difficult where you can and should power through because it helps you learn to like build a certain amount of emotional resilience and then there are days where like we've talked about where you just need to tap out and learning the difference between those days is a personal journey and it's a personal equation but everybody does need to figure it out for themselves and not just fall back on the oops i sort of feel lousy today i just have to sit here and not kind of pull myself together right so there is some benefit in approaching some days as a kind of days where you pull yourself up by your bootstraps not intended to minimize anybody's <laughs> anxiety or stress but just that there are those days and we should learn to live with them also But you know what ultimately I find really interesting about this whole conversation is that there are laws in place that prevent 
employers from discriminating against someone for having a mental illness like for example the mental health care act to, of 2017 in india and even the americans with disabilities act in the us and a whole bunch of other legislation in a lot of countries prevents that kind of workplace discrimination against people with mental health issues or mental illnesses so my question is why not take that a step further and recognize the effects of mental illness rather than just preventing the the potential um interpersonal conflicts that could arise from that and i would even say that not instituting a policy for rec- mental health leave or recognizing the unique nature of mental illness is inherently discriminatory towards people with mental illnesses right mm. so from that perspective i'm just one like clearly the laws exist to some extent but they stop just short of um, actually providing the meaningful care that people need and it almost seems like it's more skewed in favor of like a company's profits and bottom line rather than it is in favor of um like people's well-being and human rights so yeah i think we come back to that same central dilemma of like what works and what will lead us to a kinder and more just workplace i don't think we have the answers but we hope that you're thinking through this along with us and um on that note see you next time i don't think there's any <laughs> joke, joke that can be made about this so serious today <laughs> i know i think anything i say will be inappropriate <laughs> we put the mental in judgment what <laughs> it makes no sense make it make sense okay <laughs> on that note see you again next time this podcast is brought to you by ts studios the production company that brings the swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films